Hello, welcome to In Process Podcast. This is technically the third episode. I cannot even believe it. And I am beyond excited because one of my favorite people in the entire world is here. <laughs> um, his name is Steve Durgan. So Steve, say hello to everyone. So glad you are here. So grateful. So grateful to be here, Leslie. Really excited to talk with you. Um, and thanks for putting me on that list. That's a great list to be on. Favorite people. <laughs> yes, yes. Favorite people. So I believe that, um, Steve, I was thinking about this. I think we met probably 11 years ago in college as freshmen. Yes. Um, wow. Right? That's right. <laughs> as, as freshmen in college and uh, I remember being so um, impressed with you in the class that we took together on how to lead a Bible study. And we each had to take a turn leading a Bible study. Yes. <laughs> when you led, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> all of us <laughs> need to get to his level. I know you would disagree. But um, as I forewarn <laughs> you that I am going to brag on you. And so um, <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> Because I know that Steve will not say this about himself. He is, he has just an amazing pastoral heart and he really sees and hears people and it really reminds me of Jesus. And so, um, oh my goodness. So, so grateful to have you on here. And just so you all know, honestly, this podcast would not exist if Steve would not um, have invited me to um, Voss Camp. And so, Steve, do you want to share a little bit about Voss Camp before we get started? Because I really do believe that, um, I'm sorry, it's not Voss Camp, it's Voss Group. <laughs> hey, it's kind of like a boot camp, so I don't even mind. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I can, I can just do a little bit on that. Yeah, so Voss, V-O-S, uh, is the Dutch word for fox. And my buddy, Joe Schuberth, started a company when 2020 became 2020, <laughs> when it became what it was. Um, you know, he had an opportunity um, in the midst of the pandemic when everything first shut down to say, okay, well, I've had this dream in the pipeline. Let's see if we can do it now. And so we started essentially a pilot small group facilitated by him with professionals from different backgrounds, different disciplines, um, helping each other troubleshoot the challenges they face in life uh, and in their careers. So personal and professional kind of development space with a hot seat structure. So focusing on, okay, this week it's Leslie's turn, let's say. And Leslie, you know, what's something that you are trying, like a project you're trying to get traction on, an idea that you want to refine? It could be anything that you're facing mm -hmm. from self-management and self-care uh, mm -hmm. to the technicalities of how do I build a sales funnel or LLC my business or get more clients. Uh, and so it was really amazing and well-received. And then we launched um, two full mastermind groups at the head of the new year in 21. And, uh, and now we're still cruising and um, just really excited to build a network of people beyond that 10-week experience. Um, who can just continue to empower each other, support each other, make meaningful connections and have a shared context for that where we, you know, we really care about innovation and creatives and entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. So we really want to create resources for them. So that's a little bit about what Voss is about. And I get to facilitate uh, some mm -hmm. of those groups. So that's awesome for me. 
Yes, I I have just been so just immensely blessed from this group. Um, so much so that after the first round, I decided to do it again. <laughs> you came um, back. Yes, <laughs> I came sign, right? <laughs> I'm like, I need this in my life. Um, so thank you so much, Steve, again for um, connecting me to that group and sharing for about sure. it. Um, everyone who's listening, at least check it out. We all need accountability and we really need to live to the best of our potential. And I believe this group helps mm. you to get to that place. Now, Steve, oh my yes. God, so excited. So um, as you know, this podcast is for leaders, leaders in all um, spaces of influence. And one of the things that I've shared before with you offline is just my heart for leaders um, to have safe spaces where we can really share where we are. And on the very first episode, I talk about how, yeah, we are called, we are gifted by God. We have so many talents. I mean, it's amazing. Um, we're anointed, right? Anointed and appointed. Mm. But um, we, we still have some things that we're in process with, right? Whether that's our emotions, our health, mentally, spiritually, we are growing. Um, we haven't arrived just because we are quote unquote leaders. And so um, one of the goals of this podcast is just to dismantle the shame that leaders feel about being honest, <laughs> about being honest about where they are. And so personally, mm. hopefully uh, from our conversation, this will be a space that gives leaders permission just to be with the truth of themselves and their hearts. But the first question I want to ask you, Steve, just to get us get us going is what do you define as a leader? Like, What is yes. leadership to you? Yeah, uh, I think it's an important question uh, for our time. Not least because there's a lot of confusing stuff out there. Mm -hmm. uh, sending the message that leading is about asserting dominance or, mm. you know, kind of a machismo thing, like taking control of the room or being rigid just for its own sake. So mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of power games going on still. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do believe that leadership is influence uh, mm -hmm. that it, and that it isn't static. Uh, mm. So people have windows of opportunity in their lives in which they can influence uh, events and people, right? And mm. we have opportunities to shape the the conversation, the discourses, how people should be treated in the workplace or what justice is or, you know, how much we should limit the freedoms of businesses, all those kinds of things and more. We have a part in shaping the conversation. Now, that mm. could happen at an academic level. It could happen at an organizational level, uh, or it could just be inspiring the people in your inner circle to live and think differently. So I kind of think about leadership as influence, mm -hmm. but um, I would also say while everybody has like a de facto influence, <laughs> there's one little qualifier I would add, which is this, a leader is a person who recognizes their influence, mm. right? Wow. Uh, so that's how I use the word. I try to, at least I see leadership when I see somebody own the reality of their influence. So there has to be a degree of self-awareness and awareness of one's lot in life, your opportunities, your circumstances. That's key to mm -hmm. being a leader in my mind, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. A leader is someone who recognizes their influence. There's right. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah, I'm taking notes. Oh. 
No, seriously, this is this is good because you're right. You said something so key. There are so many books <laughs> about leadership, so much information about leadership. Mm. And I think you said it so well that there's a lot of power games that are yeah. associated with leadership, right? And a lot of dominating. And so I, I think you said that so key. And, and, and speaking of that, I think that, you know, as leaders, we can go to power games or, or just unhealthy ways of leading others and stewarding our own influence mm. um, when maybe we are um, maybe living in distorted realities ourselves. Yes. And, and so I'm wondering, what was a moment for you or an experience, Steve, when you're like, man, I, I know that I'm a leader. I recognize my influence, right? <laughs> I'm old <to> get. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm still in process. I still have uh, some ways that I can be growing in. What was that moment for you? Oh, my gosh. You already nailed it in advance with the phrase. Oh, gosh, I hope I didn't lose it. Um, distortion or distorted reality. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. So that's the nail on the head. Um, mm -hmm. So... I realized I was in process in a significant way uh, when I discovered that I was only loving people in one way. Hmm. And wow. essentially, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you saw me at Trinity, you knew me in the college and grad kind of space. And mm -hmm. um, there's no two ways about it. I was celebrated at Trinity. Mm -hmm. uh, people encouraged me. I felt like I was getting the thumbs up every day from almost every direction. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not to say that you never have any kind of opposition or whatever or difficulties, but generally speaking, like people were like, Hey, we like Steve, go Steve, you go get it, do whatever you're going to do, man. We believe in you. Mm. And now, I, first of all, I just want to say that's a good thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't withhold that from people. Don't assume that it's going to, you know, be a bad thing or go to their head. Mm -hmm. um, encouragement's a good thing. But I will say that I was just following the script on, mm -hmm. on how to be good as best as I understood it and how to be what I think a lot of people wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought I was a loving person. And that's kind of front and center for, for our circles, for the church circles, you know, and church, mm -hmm. churchy people. We, you know, <laughs> we try to be all about love. We don't always succeed, but at least in principle and mm -hmm. in our teaching, that's really a focus uh, in, in Christian churches. And, mm -hmm. and I was in the ministry track. I wanted to be a pastor, still want to be a pastor, and mm -hmm. um, studied for that. And so for me, I tried to keep that front and center, but I think there was this pivotal moment in dating my wife-to-be, Olivia. Mm, yes, Olivia. Where, yes, and um, and yeah, she, she was just having a heart-to-heart -heart with me, and essentially, you know, she was gentle about it. I, I can't remember the exact words, but essentially, I came out of that conversation realizing that I've been thinking that I've been a loving person. Hmm. And I've actually only been loving people with words. Hmm. Wow. I was just going around saying, you know, good things to this person, great things to that person, trying, you know, and that spoke to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And because I was following that script, mm. um, I felt celebrated. I felt like there was a lot of people who, you know, who came around me and said, you're going to do great things. Mm -hmm. In reality, there was a whole another dimension of people in the same space, the same campus, the same dorms, who essentially 
didn't connect with me at all. And I didn't notice them. They weren't on my radar. Mm. I wasn't, I wasn't attuned to them at all. And so for the people that, that, you know, you've maybe heard about love languages, famous Mm -hmm. book from Gary Chapman, you know, words of affirmation is one of the five that he identifies, but I was essentially communicating love effectively to only that group of people. There might've been three or four other groups to whom that didn't speak nearly as much. Quality time is an important factor, right? Mm. Acts of service, Mm -hmm. uh, physical gifts, you know, literal gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then touch, you know, and I'm a touchy person. So maybe I hit that target too. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I hugged some people who didn't want to be hugged. I don't know. But, <laughs> but, but all in all, it was a real um, eye-opening moment for me because mm. here's this person that I'm trying to love more than anybody else in my life. It's a focused commitment. I'm dating this woman. I hope one day to marry her. And she tells me, well, I don't feel loved by any of this mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah. also you, you need to know this, Steve, my roommates don't feel like you're a good person. My, wow. like these people that are also like my friends that are speaking into this are kind of warning me about you. Cause they feel like you're all talk, mm-hmm. you know? And it was just this, this real emptying moment of like, my goodness, I've been wow. just trying to love people one way and it's not enough and mm-hmm. it's not about me. And so I need to figure out a way to grow in these other areas where I'm just totally incompetent. And the other dimension I would add to this in process piece, and it it is related Mm -hmm. is just cultural incompetence. Mm -hmm. Leslie, I, I, one of the mantras for my dating relationship with Olivia that she taught me was essentially it's not right or wrong. It's just different. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously there are limits to that. At some point you might decide something, you know, in one culture is a flaw and something in another culture is a, a benefit. You know, one thing might mm-hmm. be right or wrong, but, but on the front end, when you're me, monocultural, monolingual, white yeah. male, walking <laughs> through spaces, like, you know, things, no, 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 no. Like <laughs> I, I needed to, to have that exposure to my own cultural incompetence and to see Oh my goodness. Like I, I thought this was the way to date. I read all, I read all these books. Then yeah. I look back, I look back now that I've had a little, I've been shaken up a little bit and I realize, Oh my gosh, I was only reading books by white men from America and Canada. You know, yeah. like this is one stream of advice on how, on how to do this, this and that and date people and whatever. And I was just trying mm. to follow the books, trying to follow and realize, man, these books don't work. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. I promise you, I was diligent. I was reading them carefully. I was, I was trying to apply things, take notes. I was a note taker. <laughs> I, I met with a mentor for like a year before I, or a year and a half before I dated anybody. I wanted to only do it when they thought I was ready. I, mm. I sought, I sought uh, advice from multiple people I trusted before dating. Like I was trying to do the whole nine with getting this thing right, quote unquote. Mm, And -hmm. then I just realized like, my goodness, my cultural intelligence is almost nil. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I I felt like I was starting over. Mm, Wow, Steve. Well, thank you so much for (laughs) your vulnerability and sharing this. And you've said just several powerful things. And one of the things that I keep hearing you say is I was following the script. Uh-huh. And I just, I think that's so key because the reality is 
in every space that we're in, that space gives us a script, right? Yes. Here's how you do this in this yes. place. <laughs> yes, yes. This is how, and I think you even said it, this is how you are a good person if you follow all of these things. And, yes. and that, that may be explicitly communicated, but it definitely is implicitly there mm-hmm. in any mm-hmm. space you are in. Mm. And I, what I hear you say is, I realized this script was actually not allowing me to, to love. Yes. I think that's very powerful. And and even what Olivia shared, I mean, just the courage I'm sure it took for her to, to tell you this. Um, What I'm wondering, Steve is what, what did it look like when Olivia told you this and like the in-between process? Like, okay, so Mm. Olivia tells you this and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm not loving people well and and specifically how they want to be loved. What was that process like for you? Like, you know, if if, if it was me, (laughs) so what told me this, I think I would be like, you know, kind of offended. Like, what's your, like, what? Like, you know, I, I think that's just the natural defensiveness we have as humans. Um, yeah, yeah. And just that that loving moment of someone telling the truth about yourself, right? Especially because you just said, and you know, I was witness a witness to this. You are a very loved person at Trinity. Yes. So it's not like, you know, this is being communicated to someone who's not, you know, like this is someone who, you know, Yes, we all love you. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You know, no, absolutely true. The first response was arrogance. Mm. And I, because I was, so there are parts of the script, if I could label my script, I'd say yeah. white, the white evangelical subculture. Mm. And there are good things going on in that script, but it's inadequate in the final mm. analysis. So it's not to say I didn't learn anything good, you know, there was yeah. some good in what I was trying to do, but, and so here's where some of the good came through, right? I don't think I blew up in her face and said, <laughs> you know, you're wrong. I'm a great person. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I will, so I will say there was a covert arrogance and mm. it was something like this, like, well, you know, I'm going to do the things that I know to do to, to come off like I'm really listening to you. And, you know, I'm going to mm. think about what you're saying. I think I did think like I was disoriented, you know, and I trusted mm-hmm. her judgment a lot. So mm-hmm. I think that was true. But I think there was also a degree of spiritually, mentally, I'm kind of putting my hand up a little bit mm. and I'm putting an asterisk next to what you're saying because, mm. you know, that's <laughs> that's my defensiveness right there. Yeah. And, and I think what I was thinking in the midst of that was, okay, Olivia, well, you're seeing this, you know, I'm, I'm, I hear you quote unquote. I don't know how much I hear you, but like, I hear you is what I wanted to come across. And, um, but I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking, but I have one person telling me this Mm. and I have a hundred plus people telling me otherwise. Mm. why have I never gotten this feedback? And the assumption that I made in that context, this is where majority bias comes in. And this mm. is, mm-hmm. this really plays to um, cultural and racial dynamics in different spaces too. And the gender dynamic is like, um, it's really easy to assume you've got things right just because you have a majority of, of one kind of feedback that says mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're okay as you are, just continue on this path and you'll be mm-hmm. fine. And you don't need to listen to these other people. It's just, less representative and so Mm -hmm. that is one dynamic where it's like i had to test 
this person's feedback, this person I deeply care about Mm -hmm. against a ton of other feedback that made me feel like I was either on the, on the right track or almost on the right track. And so I think that's the first phase. And I think that's where kind of we need to talk about the disorientation. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so obviously Olivia doesn't feel love. So whether that's right or wrong, I need to figure out how to communicate love. And that kind of opens up like, okay, quality time is what she describes as the number one for her. I need to figure out how to how to test this out, how to learn this, grow in this like, what does quality mean to you? How much mm-hmm. time? Like, mm-hmm. what do I need to give up in my schedule that I'm so attached to? Because I love doing all these different things so that we have enough time together. And mm-hmm. uh, I've got to say, that was a painful process. Mm-hmm. And really, a lot of people say dating and like early marriage is like honeymoon. And then afterwards, things get hard. For us, it was the reverse. The, wow. the dating phase was brutal. And early marriage was hard. And then things got better. Um, mm. But <laughs> we laugh sometimes because we're like, I don't know if we should have married so fast. Like, <laughs> it's not that we wouldn't have made that decision, but my goodness, it might have helped if we let you finish this and that in your master's before I rushed this whole thing. And, and we also say, like, I don't know how we knew like what we knew when we were dating, but somehow Olivia knew beyond feeling totally unloved by me that I was a good person that she knew she could work this out. And I knew it's like, yeah, Olivia, like I know she's this quality person. I just somehow can't connect with her. And sometimes she doesn't connect with me and it was culture, but we hadn't figured out the tools yet Mm -hmm. to begin to navigate that. Mm -hmm. But um, that was kind of the beginning of that process for me. Wow. Steve. Oh my goodness. So you said label you you've labeled the script and I think this is an important tool because Mm. you know as me and you have talked about this podcast you know of it being practical and I think this phrase that you said of labeling our scripts right of what is the script that we have and you labeled it you said you know white evangelical subculture script um, but it actually doesn't mm. work, you know, like, I, yes. and, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think, you know, this is trending right now. I think as you described, there was disorientation. What I hear you saying, Steve, too, is there's some deconstruction. Yeah, like, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Of like, this is, this is not actually the way to love. And, 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 and to some extent, even evaluating the people who are, you know, praising you of, well, why are they, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. All of a sudden, like, wait, should this, should this mean something different? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so I, I think you're saying several powerful things. And, and to those who are listening, I just encourage you to really honestly listen to this again, because I think Steve has said several powerful things. And the first is to label, the script that we have in our own environment. What is this space telling us that is actually not the way of Jesus, you know? Right. Um, Because what I also hear you say, Steve, is we can assume as leaders because of the good press that we're getting that we know how to love people. Yeah. 
When really it's like every person is different. So it actually takes some humility of stepping back and say, actually, like, what would make you feel loved? Right. Regardless of what I think is right. (laughs) Yeah. Even though I want to pat myself on the back, like you tell me, you know, where I'm coming short and what I could Mm. do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I I hear such humility in what you're saying, because I think as leaders, we, we have this track record, right. Of success of like, well, we've done all of these things and all of these people have, have received love this way. So clearly it should work for you. (laughs) and it's like no maybe something's Uh, wrong with you yeah right (laughs) come on (laughs) oh yeah that's what you're gonna tell to someone who's feeling unloved yeah right you need Uh, help yeah (laughs) oh gosh um but yeah and I think also just this experience of um shame and so I'm wondering Yes. What did what? Where was shame in this story? You 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 said mm-hmm. okay. Olivia has told you this, and your first response was arrogance, and then it was disorientation, and then you're processing like okay, mm-hmm. um, why is Olivia the only person saying this, and everybody else is you know singing my praises? So, was there any element of shame in this process for you? And could could you share that? Yes. Yeah. So having been, I would say, over-celebrated at Trinity, I was not attuned to a healthy balance of criticism. Mm. And I would say I was also not attuned to at least being aware that I was disappointing people. Mm -hmm. And so... To feel like I had disapproval, not just from this really important person at the time, my girlfriend, and, uh, and but also from people who are connected to her, tr- close friends of hers at the time who are weighing in on, hey, is, is Steve a quality person that you should be with? Mm. Um, I would just say I felt naked for, mm. for really one of the first times. Um, this sense of uh, starting over and feeling impotent. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I had the answers. I read the books. I sought the mentors. I prayed hard. I'm trying to do all these things right. And you're telling me mm-hmm. I have these major gaps in my mm-hmm. life and my practice in the way that I treat even the people I care most about. And mm-hmm. there's really few things. So, um, well, maybe I'll come to the word in a roundabout way there. When, when you feel like you are pouring yourself out, And what you hear at the end of that or in the middle of that is it's not working. Hmm. In some sense, it's not enough Um, to really give a ton of yourself and hear that, Hmm. that, that can feel really, um, I want to say, I want to say frustrating, but I think also there's just an element of impotence. Like Mm -hmm. this sense of, well, I tried as hard as I thought I could, as best Mm -hmm. as I knew I could. Mm -hmm. And, and if when that doesn't work, if you don't immediately have some idea of the thing that would work, you just feel a little lost. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that was part of it. It's like, I'm supposed to be this person who does things well, who loves people well. And Mm -hmm. now that identity has been stripped from me. 
mm. um, by somebody who has <laughs> a ton of authority on the matter. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I, I'd say that's a sense in which I felt shame. Mm. And um, I, I think if not for Olivia and like you said, the courage to say something like that to mm-hmm. somebody who thinks they have the answers, mm. um, I would probably be much in the same place. And I would probably have gathered around me a bunch of people who just think I'm great the way I am Mm. and who would not have helped me to become a more loving person. Mm. So that's, that's kind of the attendant danger. If you don't have someone like that in your life or multiple people like that, ideally Mm. Um, the propensity is just to gather people around you who are very much like you flaws and all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Steve, oh my goodness. This is so good. And I, I, I want to just pause at the phrase you said, I thought I had all the answers. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think as a Black woman who has been reared in evangelical yeah. <laughs> institutions, I do think that this is... Um, it could lead us into dualistic thinking, right? Where there mm. is no nuance. And I think this is why, you know, deconstruction is so trending right now. Because yes. a, a lot of it is, oh, it isn't as white and black as I thought. Mm-hmm. And um, and even the way, because I, I think, you know, evangelical circles, they give us like a, it feels like a list, like a manual, like, okay, <laughs> This is this is how you love. This is how you date. <laughs> this is how you marry. Yeah. How you become a pastor of a church? Do this checklist, and you'll be great, right? Right. <laughs> and we know that's not how life is. Now on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. And so, yeah, I I heard you say I thought I had all the answers, and I think this is a moment, Steve. I think just in history where we are in this moment in so many areas of our lives feeling like man like lord i thought i had all the answers with this and feeling you said this our our identity has been stripped Uh um and i'm just wondering what were words of comfort to you during this space um Uh what what were space what were like things that brought you into the love of God because we we know that shame does have this I don't think shame is completely bad but there is this space of shame that paralyzes you that condemns you right and we're not we're not trying to be in that space but what was the space where you felt like and I still I I feel this comfort and love of somewhat of an invitation to go deeper into relationships and deeper into Christ yeah you know, it's it's a great question because I wish I could tell you that there were mentors mm. or or like close close friends who were equipped to help me navigate that moment mm. uh, with Olivia and the really important months and years following it. Mm. Um, but at the time, I think it was very representative, like of like it felt like most of the people around me were were inadequate in similar ways and mm. uh, and our cultural intelligence was shabby and mm-hmm. <laughs> um mm-hmm. i would yeah i would just i would say i found comfort 
um, because of some of the things that I think are at the DNA of your podcast and what you're trying to create communally. Like I, I think, I think it's that impulse because thank, thank goodness there were some things that were right in what I was taught. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's that impulse to lean in to the mystery Hmm. of God and in the midst of recognizing any moment where we're insufficient, essentially trusting that what we need will be provided in some way. Hmm. And also recognizing that uh, there's a basis in Christian thought to say, I don't know everything. Yes. I certainly don't know all that I need to know. Yes. But there's a comfort that theologically, I believe that what I truly need to know uh, will be made known to me when it needs to be known. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I can try to rush that process all I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's so it's not to discourage study and learning and asking the hard questions. I do those things quite a lot. But mm-hmm. I think in the midst of it, of that wrestling, there's this piece that mm-hmm. um, I'm not truly alone and I'm not flying blind, mm-hmm. so to speak. And um, And so really a lot of the answers came through. Olivia. And mm-hmm. I think that, I think to be honest, Leslie, that came at great cost to her. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she, she was in the position as somebody of a different culture in a, yeah. in a majority white cultural space. She was in a position where if, if I was really going to get to know her, she was really the only person who could help me do that. Mm-hmm. And while that might be true of all dating relationships and marriages, it felt especially true where there's a cultural gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you know, and I couldn't just go to my friends and have them explain something about Spanish culture or Filipino culture. Mm-hmm. You know, it, <laughs> right? <laughs> they were not that resource, and <laughs> and um, hopefully now, you know, yeah, now I know more people who. Uh, are either third culture kids like Olivia is, so they have a high mobility multicultural experience growing up, or I know more people who counsel couples who are Mm -hmm. intercultural, or I know more people who are from Spain or uh, connected to Filipino culture, even if it's second gen or third gen in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And and so my resources are better now, but that only came about through a <laughs> persistent relationship with Olivia and her mm-hmm. networks, you know. And and mm-hmm. I'd say it was just that continued desire to connect with her and to figure out what works for us um, mm-hmm. that kept me open and kept breaking wall after wall, really, of uh, just ignorance and resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that in itself, the process itself is a comfort. Uh, mm. You know, yes, it feels like you're being stripped away of certain things, but it doesn't take long to realize that those things are worth parting with and mm. that you are you are left in a better position. And so I think, you know, nakedness, is a, it is a shame word in mm-hmm. my mind. And mm-hmm. I think in a, in a, strange way it's like that feeling of being stripped bare is one of our greatest gifts to the world like if you can walk around with a sense of having emptied yourself and it's not to say you pretend you know nothing it's not to say (laughs) i have nothing to offer wherever i go but if you walk around with a genuine sense that you hold things loosely Mm. and that you remain open to the world and you remain open to people and you're willing truly to be changed by them that is a great gift and typically what happens is an incredible chemical reaction <laughs> where you come into contact with people and because you are 
willing to be changed. And if they're willing to be changed, I think that's where things really happen. There's a good reactivity. (laughs) Whereas if you walk around like a noble gas, if I'm running with this periodic table analogy, (laughs) if you walk around and you're not reactive, you're not willing to be changed. You also can't change anybody else. Mm. Right. So we might have to check with our chemistry majors to see if I got that right. But that's, that's what comes to mind. Steve, oh my goodness. Okay, so if y'all have not noticed yet, I hype up all my friends because they say powerful things and just keep on talking as if they did not just say like bomb drops and stuff. Oh my gosh. But I I do want to repeat this because I, I do believe this is an invitation for myself and for the listeners. You said we have this impulse to lean into the mystery of God. Mm-hmm. Right. When we mm-hmm. have this encounter with our true selves and as you're talking, I just keep on thinking about Jacob uh, wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have this impulse, you said, to lean into the mystery of God that what we need, God will provide. Mm-hmm. That will preach, Steve. Mm-hmm. That will preach because, you know, it. This is this is a space where we feel broken, like you said, we feel naked, and we're just like, Lord, like I don't have it in me. Yeah. So you really have to provide it. You have to create it. <laughs> it's the only way it's gonna work. Right. Right. Oh my goodness. I think um, we need to get more comfortable in that space, right? Mm, like that's that's where the magic happens. It's where mm-hmm, life really happens. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And then you said. The things that we're we're leaving, the things that we're departing from, those things are worth parting with. Uh-huh. Amen. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so clearly, I can go for like three more hours, but uh, I told Steve that we would <laughs> have a shorter episode. But sure, sure. Steve, I, I'm wondering. Are there any um, parting words that you would tell our listeners of of those who may feel like they're in this space of brokenness? They're in the space of um, feeling like, yeah, like I, I'm right with you. Like, I don't know how to love. I thought I knew all the answers. What would be your final words of encouragement? And then I would love for you to tell the listeners how they can follow you. You have a blog. And so I definitely want people to know about that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess a parting word would be kind of where we're landing, honestly, which is we need to all, all of us together, uh, just lean in Mm. to our insufficiency. And I don't mean that in a self-deprecating way. I think there's a lot of stuff in religious communities that's been overplayed when it comes Mm to depravity. You know, everything is wrong with us. I'm a worm, (laughs) very Puritan thing. I I don't buy all that. (laughs) I don't don't think that gets us where we need to go. But more this aspect of not knowing, right? Like intellectual Mm -hmm. humility. Hmm. Um, Because the, (laughs) the, the older I get, and I think most people will tell you this, uh, the more I consider how much I don't know and how mm-hmm. big that is, uh, that's a big bucket. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you just don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and you're going to have wave after wave of that throughout the rest of your life. And leaning into that process and embracing it is such a beautiful thing and a healing thing. And it sets you free from trying to be right all the time, which is mm-hmm. an impossible burden. 
mm-hmm. that also strains relationships. So mm-hmm. I think I think the extent to which we can release that unhealthy sense of control and just mm-hmm. be willing to be taught and to to start over again and again is really one of our greatest resources, especially in this time, like you said, where deconstruction is catching wind mm-hmm. and it's not for nothing, mm-hmm. folks. Like it's <laughs> like people, yeah. are, a lot of folks are doing the same old thing, following the script and being dismissive of this. Like it's just some new radical progressive, who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, people are taking things apart for a reason. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was built in a way uh, that we're now seeing is problematic. And, and so embrace, embrace that process and realize that it doesn't really end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think, mm-hmm. I think that would be my word to leaders and listeners is just mm-hmm. lean into that and trust the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, Tell the people how they can follow you. I know you don't want to do this. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yes, yes. Thank you. So, yeah, I, I am on the Instagram. So if you need to follow me on the gram, I'm at Durg Infinite. Uh, so Durgin is my last name. D as in Delta, U-R-G-I-N, finite. So you could read that as Durg Infinite or Durg Infinite. Depends on the day and how humble I'm feeling. Uh, it reads it reads and spells the same way. So <laughs> Durg Infinite or Durg Infinite. And then... Um, Growing Upward, growingupward.org mm-hmm. is my blog. So that's where I put some of my better thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that's something you want to track with, you can certainly do that. We mentioned Voss at the head of this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a website, which is Voss, V as in Victor, O-S, fellowship.org. And so that's our company for coaching and community and networking. So we'd love to join you there as well. Wow, Steve, uh, this has been such a blessing to me and I'm sure the listeners. And so thank you so much uh, for sharing your vulnerability. And I just I have been just immensely blessed. So thank you. Hey, just just happy to be wrong all the time, Leslie. I'm here for you (laughs) anytime. And I'm just grateful you had me on. So thank you. All right. Thank you, Steve. Take care. Okay.